Uh, very good evening and uh, welcome along to Irish Whiskey Review Live. Uh, we are, of course, uh, live in Carrickfergus and in Glenarm this evening. And we're going to go across the pond this weekend as well, Marty, aren't we? Oh, yes. We're, we're, we're flying away, you may say, this weekend, Dustin. We're, we're, we're taking to the air. Okay, no worries. All will be revealed. <laughs> so what have you been up to this week today, Justin? We're, doing well. we're not too bad we're not too bad what have you been up to this week then uh, not a big lot to be fair we have uh, the weather's been a wee mm, iffy uh, I've been very busy feeding ducks walking in the forest um, it was really a big lot we can't do we can't go anywhere <laughs> I haven't been dining out or going to the pub I have been using new equipment now, Justin. We have better recording equipment, a new camera, all of that sort of jazz. So we've been playing about with that. Do we, do, all the work, do, you know? do we have good internet yet? <laughs> my, my internet's not too bad tonight. I don't, I don't know. There's something in the air tonight. <laughs> fingers, fingers crossed. So what's first tonight on the news then? Well, tonight, Justin, on Wednesday news. Do, 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 do. There's a look. Very dignified with glasses on. I don't actually need these, but we'll put them on anyway. Make them look good. First up, Justin, the Irish Whiskey Awards. The Irish uh, Whiskey Association Awards, I should say, the AWA. We're on a week. And uh, the chairman, David Stapleton, who's the co-founder or the founder of the Connacht Whiskey Company and chairman of the Irish Whiskey Association, uh, picked his six winners of the awards, which are very prestigious. These are these are very much sought after. Um, the people who won these were very happy about it, I assure you. So who won? Uh, Noel Sweeney, who was formerly of Cooley Distillery, which a lot of people don't know about Cooley because they don't really make their own brands. They, they make other brands like Turconnell and... and, and Kilbegan and this kind of thing. So he was there, but he's now with the, he's a master distiller at Powers Court, just outside Dublin. At the distillery. So he won. Uh, David Hines, director of the Great Northern Distillery, which is something very similar to, to Cooley. A lot of people won't know the, the, the brand, the, the actual distillery, but they'll certainly know a lot of the brands that they make because they make them for other people. Uh, Helen Mulholland, up in Bushmills, who you and I both had the pleasure of talking to not long ago, about a month ago, right? Yeah. Uh, Billy Layton, who is the master distiller, the chief distiller down in Middleton for Irish distillers. So Red Breast and Middleton and Jameson and uh, lots of brands that we're very, very familiar with. Now, posthumously, the people won uh, Oliver Hughes down in Dingle way down in the southwest and dr pierce lyons who was the founder of alltech and pierce lyons distillery in dublin now if you haven't had a chance to get down to the pierce lyons distillery make the effort it's absolutely stunning it's inside an old church uh the the stained glass windows have been replaced and they are I've got whiskey scenes and stuff and it. it's just the way it's been done is fabulous beautiful blue glass spire up at the top uh, it, it really really is fabulous and there's a picture of Billy Layton he, he posted on uh, Facebook the other day when he won and he was extremely happy to have won it and, and Billy, Billy had met a few a good few times and he's, he's a very very nice man very nice man so congratulations to all the people that won thoroughly deserved do you think we'll ever win it? I'd like to think so, Justin. Along with an along with an Oscar, uh, uh, an MBE, and possibly a people knighthood. <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, what what what's new this week on the awards <laughs> then? Hey, second second on the news features this week, a bit of country in the whiskey reviewing world, Justin. Scottish whiskey reviewer who lives in the Isle of Man, Ralphie Mitchell, 
who has 144,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's been doing this a very long time. Made a YouTube video earlier on in the week in which he uh, brought out a, a, a malt alternatives, alternatives to the single malt whiskies that he wanted people to try. And the first off was, and I only have a small bottle of this, Yellow Spot Pot Still Whiskey. Okay? Now, when he brought it out, because he done it, he brought it out of a paper bag, like a surprise. And I'll give you a quote of what he said. Now, this is very offensive, Justin, so don't, don't be getting very upset with this. Oh, no, he I'm said, getting ready to, I'm no getting ready to read into the BBC. Although oh, you can't read it into the BBC because it was on YouTube. You have to read it into Google because it'll totally ignore you. Uh, what he said was, no one seems to have a bad word to say about the Irish these days, now that they've stopped bombing and generally messing people about. <laughs> now, now, Ralphie, <laughs> I've also put you straight, we're not all terrorists, you know. <laughs> we all go around bombing each other. You know, just, just, Ralphie's from Glasgow, so he doesn't go around headbutting everybody every two seconds. Now, if anyone was brought up, people complain, and, and probably rightly so. It's, it's, these days, you're not allowed to stereotype people like that, and some people did take quite a lot of fans out. So, Ralphie has taken it down and he apologised. So, he, he he put up another video which has been watched 25,000 times. Uh, in the apology, now again, don't be laughing at this now, Justin. In the apology, Ralphie said. The reason he came out with it was he was talking to two lady diplomats from Ireland who had been discussing how difficult it was to get uh, to, to to move forward and all the problems it was. So he says he's going to re-record the yellow spot uh, and uh, do it a bit more tactful. Fair enough, fair, fair enough, Ralphie. I'll just have a wee yellow spot because he liked it. He thought it was very nice. So we'll just have a wee yellow spot in his honour. Well done. <laughs> everybody said, everybody was commenting that and they sort of fell out that he looked like a, a, a crossroads between a bus conductor and a Trump. <laughs> it's not, not a I, I think it's just a caricature he has of himself, but it's working for him. But listen, anybody could put their foot in it. We could say something about the Chinese next and we could be number one with a bullet. Or, or we could be forced to eat a pangolin and chips. Now, <laughs> this, this week, this week, Justin, Irish whiskey, along with Irish cream, achieved PGA status, protected geographical indication, in China. <laughs> that means that means you're not allowed to copy it and uh, you're not allowed to falsely claim that something goes anywhere. Now, <laughs> I don't think cast dispersions on the good people of the People's Republic of China, but they have been known to copy stuff before. <laughs> so, in the agreement uh, between China and the EU, a hundred European and ivory foods will be legally protected in China against imitations and misuse of a product's name. Now, Irish whiskey sales in China continue to grow from... 2015, they sold €39,000 to last year, uh, it was €1,155,000. But surprisingly, Irish cream far outstrips Irish whiskey. Uh, last year, it was €3.2 So we had nearly three times as much in terms of uh, sales, but revenue, three times as much from Irish cream as you get from Irish whiskey. Now, along with Irish whiskey and Irish cream, other European products are protected, such as cava, champagne, prosecco, port, uh, Polish vodka, etc., etc. And as a reciprocal thing, you are there's lots of Chinese, a hundred Chinese products are protected in the same way. So you can't. It's now illegal in the EU to copy. Pixan bean paste, anti white tea, pangan rice, and um, acute ginger. And fake baby milk. You go, Justin. Uh, you're not. <laughs> uh, now, I know, I know a girl, this is true. She's Chinese. And I was 
an uppy uh, at the flat that she shared with her boyfriend. <laughs> and she was wrapping up packets of baby powder to send back to China. And she didn't think there was anything sort of untoward or might be somewhat suspicious of big kilogram bags of white powder going <laughs> by the Royal Mail. She didn't think that at some point somebody might go, that's, that's not here. So uh, send that back. Uh, it's it's pretty normal then. So what do you think of the, 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 the fact that Chinese will appear? Do you think the Chinese will appear to this, Justin? Uh, probably not. <laughs> 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 so what what is what is what is this thin Lizzie story about then? I have no idea what's thin Lizzie because he, he's long gone. Yes, yes, great film, Lena. Now, this week, film director Emil Reynolds told the Express newspaper that Thin Lizzy always hated whiskey in the jar. Uh, a new documentary, Phil Lennon, uh, Stones for White I'm Away, claimed that the band's frontman says they only recorded the song almost as a joke. Uh, it taught the Irish charts and was number six in the UK, and it was one of their biggest hits. The band dropped their song from the live set but after a recording by the band Metallica, that it, it took on a new lease of life and was brought back again. So, it's, uh, so one of the biggest hits and one that's played all over the place. Uh, actually, they didn't, thought it was a bit of a joke. And uh, well, I suppose that's the, the, the sort of curse of having a successful record. It's like Tom Jones <laughs> singing. It's not unusual. He must sing it. He must have to sing it about four times a week, every week. It you could know. be. It could be worse. It, it could be a Christmas one. Well, Shane McGowan must be doing all right out of fairy tale in New York. I'm not sure. Not even older. He retired from Slade because he, he didn't particularly like performing, and uh, Christmas pays him enough money every year. He doesn't have to work. So if you go to if you go to write it, so you're going to have to sign. At least you only have to do that once a year. You're not going to have to sign. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone, in, in July, you know. Well, with one final story before we go on to our first guest of this evening, and uh, our first guest is going to be all about uh, the well, red hot chili peppers or, or our version of them. Uh, after this, we'll, get on to, we'll, we'll move on to another quasi band, you know, we'll plagiarize the name of it. Now, this is the last story. I found this quite interesting this week. Because it seems that everybody's jumping on the Irish whiskey juggernaut. And this is, I quite like this. Uh, Desirano, you know, the Italian liqueur, uh, is now releasing a full range of Irish whiskies. So the Buster series will have four different types of Irish whiskey a single malt, a blend, single grain, and, uh, and the Irish exclusive, the PGA Irish uh, pot style. So this one is actually an American company that owns this, that's doing this, but it's it's got an Italian parent company, if you like. And the Buster whiskey is distilled at the Royal Oak Distillery down in County Carlo. Now, it's priced at about $30 in the States, which makes it really, really competitive. It's really, really quite cheap. But to me, it shows that when a big company, and this one was, is a big company, uh, are buying up Irish whiskey stuff to release it themselves. It kind of shows you where the market is, you know, and the confidence that these big multinationals now have in Irish whiskey. So I, I see it as a fantastic shot in the arm. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, it's 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 a good that they're investing uh, the in, in Irish products, and well, there's lots of other people investing in Irish products, least of all Bush Mills. Well, last night, Justin, we had something. You got to shake your your shaker. You know, it's. Uh, I always like doing always that. Pleases you greatly. Uh, cocktails. I love <laughs> cocktails. Uh, we're we're lucky enough to catch up with uh, yeah. Paul Moore of Rebel Chili, who created this fantastic hot chili sauce uh, for uh, Blackbush Stories uh, Bush Mills uh, cocktails. So uh, we're. We, I got a chance to catch up with him today because he's a very busy man. And uh, stand by for that because we got a very special guest at about. Uh, 
two or three minutes time here's here's what i had to uh, say to uh paul moore uh, from rebel chile earlier on in the day now on the line he's a very busy man it's paul moore from rebel chili sauce paul how did you get involved with bush mills uh, bush mills approached me back in february part of their black bush uh, events and we ended up agreeing to do a series of uh, cocktail master classes over zoom and i made a special sauce for, for just for these events for bush mills so we aged hot sauce in one of their black bush barrels i must admit murray and me were lucky enough to be invited along last night i enjoyed both of them immensely how did you realise that hot sauce was a suitable pairing for cocktails? Because I know they do put Worcester sauce into cocktails, but your special Rebel Chili sauce is something else. Yeah, I think you. Um, well, I suppose I had used it. We have our own marinade sauce, which I used before in cocktails, like in margaritas, but I hadn't necessarily incorporated it into whiskey cocktails. So it was kind of a... Bit of a hit and hope initially, but when we tasted the whiskey, we were on to a winner. Through a lot of experimentation, which was fun as well. Where do you take it from here? It's, it's only for this special Bushmills tasting sort of thing, the, the Black Bush Tories. Your Rebel Chili Hot Sauce, is it flying off the shelves for Christmas? Yeah, it's going well. We've been very busy now since September, thankfully, because the summer was a bit quiet, which is normally our busier time. But I think just, we just because the year has been such a mess, uh, things have been a bit all over the place. But we've been very busy now since September, especially October and November have been great. So December is normally our busiest month of the year as well. So yeah, we're, we're going well. Our, the rest of our products are on sale in Aldi Duns and Super Value and online from rebeltree.com. So they're flying out, especially the online stuff actually, Justin. So it's great. Excellent stuff. Uh, Paul Moore from Rebel Chili Hot Sauce. Uh, you can see the recipes for his fantastic cocktails on screen now. Thank you. Now, what did you think of that, Marty? Uh, I managed to catch up with him. You've been trying to get him, but uh, he's a very busy man. Very, very, very popular uh, hot sauce brand. Yeah, it was... Uh, uh, the, the cocktails are very enjoyable. Now, to be fair, cocktails are more your kind of thing than they are mine. We've discussed that so many, many times. But getting uh, a wee shake of... But the, the, they were both really nice, and the sauce is, is super. It was really, really good. Uh, I was going to buy chicken today, but then I realised I had stuff in the, fr the fridge, so I'm going to buy hot wings and do a wee marinade with them later on in the week. And uh, that maybe squeeze a lemon, I think, would be very nice, Justin. Mm -mm. Now, it's almost time uh, to go to the far side of the pond, uh, to Tobacco Barn Distillery. Uh, standing by for us there is uh, an admiral, a full admiral, or uh, are you a full admiral or a rear admiral? Uh, I'm a rear admiral, but I'm retired, so my wife calls me, hey, you, come over here. <laughs> and that's my partner, Sean, behind me. Right, and... Uh, Hello, Sean. Good evening. Now, I'll just come in with why we've got... Uh, we're extremely fortunate to have Rear Admiral Scott Sanders on here. I'll get, a, just, I'll get a little bio of your former career, and then we'll get to what you're doing now, because this is impressive. This is impressive. I've been, I've been boasting about this for a, a wee while now. Oh, you've been scouring so, the Arnold internet. Sanders is a pilot with over 5,000. Yes. I've, been, I've, I've done Wikipedia. No, I've, I've, I've done a wee bit more than Wikipedia. So as 5,000 hours flight time, he is a... Former Deputy Commander of the U.S. Second Fleet, which was the largest fleet in the Navy, in the U.S. Navy, 126 ships, 90,000 sailors, and 1,500 aircraft. He was a sea commander of the Combined Task Force 151, which uh, had the command of 4,400 sailors, uh, 19 ships from seven nations to counter piracy of uh, Somalia. Uh, and there's various other lists of achievements, but I thought that we'll just leave it at that. Don't want to, don't want to embarrass how little I've actually done. Uh, I, I consider it an achievement to walk around the forest today. But uh, now he is retired, and he's decided to get into the whiskey business, uh, and he has done so in Maryland and has opened the Tobacco Barn Distillery. So welcome to the show, Abra. 
Well, it's good to be here. Thank you very much for uh, linking us up. And actually here it's, you know, five, you know, 520 or so here in the afternoon. So easy enough, we just finished a tour here at the distillery and uh, we're a little bourbon here. <laughs> we do that every week. And a lot of pot still left. <laughs> <laughs> and a wee pot still. Now, tell me about Tobacco Barn. What what made what, what made you decide to go from a naval career where I'm sure once you retired you could have done military consultancy or any all those kind of jobs that most retired service personnel do? Why did you decide to get anti West? Well, as you can see from the things we do, it's not normal. We, I mean, we have fun. This is a, this is a business, but we're also making bourbon. So why not have fun while you're doing it? So you showed some rum that we age on a uh, on the all sail warship in the United States Navy, the USS Constellation. We we did that. Uh, we started that about five years ago, and then. Um, through just some wacky coincidence. I happen to know a guy who owns the second Sea Harrier ever built for the Royal Navy. And uh, and so we uh, we got together and we said, hey, let's put some on a Harrier and fly it. So it's, uh, I don't know what it's gonna do. It's gonna push that bourbon way into the staves and it ought to give it a very special taste. Now, I'll just, I'll just fill in a little bit more about the story because the people watching this probably don't know just exactly what you're talking about. What the Admiral's going to do is basically mount two casks of whiskey on the undercarriage of a sea harrier and fly them at 700 miles an hour. Now, there are lots of things that have been done with whiskey as an experiment. Aging it in very, very different casks, and you know, putting it in very cold environments, a very humid environment. I don't think anybody's ever taken it up and done the speed, broke the sound barrier <laughs> with with the casks of whiskey. So this is this is a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's nobody's ever done it, and so we. I've had people come to me and say, "Oh, we've we put barrels here." We I said, "Okay, they." That's some incidental story from World War II or something, and nobody did it this way. And so this ought to be a very yeah. special flight of bourbon, and um, it's for a charity. So we're only going to get maybe uh, uh, yeah, 600 bottles. That's if they don't leak. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Sean, he asked me, he said, he said you think the, the barrels will leak? I'm like, hell yeah, they're going to leak. <laughs> That bourbon's going to push all the way through the wood. We're going to lose, I don't know, uh, something like uh, 7 PSI, you know, going up to altitude. We're going up to 15,000 feet, so we're going to lose some uh, PSI. I tell people, it's like if you, well, nobody goes up in an airplane now because of COVID, but when you did, if you got one of those bag of potato chips or whatever, uh, you know, the bag expands. That's what's going to happen because we're not, we're not pressurizing the, the tanks that the uh, bourbons yeah it is see for us when someone turns around and says i know a guy who's got a sea harrier you know <laughs> over here over here we're not you know the, the fact that uh, the guy who owns the Eglinville distillery that uh, she and he collects old vintage military uh, like apcs and tanks and stuff and i we think that's weird and wonderful but the fact that you know someone who well, it's a, a lot of good things come about when you're drinking a little bit of this. You get some very creative ideas when you're drinking some good bourbon. <laughs> or yeah. Irish whiskey, whatever you have. So I, I yeah, a little sea story since I'm an admiral. I'll tell you a sea story. So is you you know, Irish whiskey is barley, which it's good, nothing wrong with that. And uh 
But we have we grow the corn about a hundred feet from here. So we're all uh, you know what I might do is just adjust this just a hair. Um, we uh, we're all single farm bourbon. And I know that's starting to gain provenance and lie in a lot of people, but we've we've been single farm since day one. So we grow the corn, you know, a hundred feet from where I'm standing right now. And so, uh, you know, bourbon, just like scotch, it's, you know, it has to be, you know, everybody has their protocol, just like Irish whiskey is a different thing. So bourbon has to be 51% corn and all cereal grains. And uh, we just wanted to do something special. And it's in a charity because it goes to wounded service members and their families. And so that, that's what this is for. And it's just kind of a cool idea. We're going to get it up in the air and do it. Um, I, my C story is that back Bonus, when I was yeah. uh, running the counter piracy task force off Somalia, uh, and I, I was there for, I tell people it was the best and the absolute worst job I've ever had. I was there for six months. And uh, we had, uh, I met with the Chinese, the Russians, all the European nations, Korea, Singapore, Pakistan, India, everybody. And what I would do after the first visit, all I had was some cheesy ball cap or, a, you know, a belt buckle or something to give them. And they were presenting me, you know, something from the Ming Dynasty or something. It was a very nice gift. And I felt so cheap. So the next time I pulled into port, I bought three cases of American bourbon. And uh, then I got a little Sharpie thing. Next visit, I put, you know, thank you very much for your help fighting piracy. Love and kisses, Admiral Sanders. And from that point forward, I was the most popular date in the Gulf of Aden. Because I was the only one who had a American <laughs> I met with the Chinese and I can guarantee you the Chinese didn't meet to meet with me three times, but they wanted another they wanted another bottle of bourbon. I can't imagine. It's amazing, it's amazing how, how much diplomacy and stuff is done is done for a bottle of something. You know, it's always it's a fabulous way of doing things. But so tell us a bit more about the Bible Barn because Maryland Maryland has a bit of a, shall we say, a, 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 almost a secret whiskey tradition. Now, we, me and Justin both live up in Northern Ireland, up in the, the, the northeast corner of Ireland, which is where the, the, the Scots-Irish, as they're known, come from. And they went over and the first place they actually landed was in Maryland. And they were the ones that actually took whiskey to the US. And it was them then who went on to Kentucky. But the first place they landed was, was in Maryland. Yeah. So you're Northern Ireland, so you're British citizens. So 250 years ago, we were British citizens here. And I'll say we invented the first Brexit. We don't get credit for that, but we invented the first Brexit. <laughs> so, uh, what, what had happened is... Uh, after the first Brexit, we annoyed the king, and he said, well, we're not allowing imports of molasses and a whole bunch of other stuff. And so we just had to make do with what we had, and we had corn, and, and we had other things. And so because King George got mad at us, we just had to, we had to go rogue and start making our own. So that's what we started doing over The actual, obviously, the name Tobacco Barn, I assume, comes from you, you grew tobacco originally, and then is that what then we've only corner? Is that? Yeah, so the, the farm we're on is uh, it's been in tillage for a couple hundred years. Uh, and Maryland made money by growing tobacco. So if you go back to the Virginia colony and Lord Baltimore's colony here, it was all about tobacco because the king got a penny per pound. And so that's what put this on. So if you had cleared land, you were growing tobacco because that made you money. You know, corn kind of fed the, the, the cattle. It kind of fed your family, but tobacco is what made you money. And then if you had any excess grains, just like if you were in Ireland or Scotland or any place, 
You know, you only distilled in the winter. Nobody distilled in the summer. It's too darn hard because everybody was a farm distiller. So distilling on the small scale, the independent people, just saw you, you did it in the uh, you did it in the winter. And so you know you uh, you harvested your crops in the fall. And if you had any excess, because the animals were going to get it or the insects, so you just you distilled it into whiskey. You know, it it wasn't it was the it was the precursors to bourbon because bourbon has to be 51% corn. We use a high rye content because we have a heavy influence from uh, the English here, English, Scotch, and Irish. They came here and they had uh, they had the distilling technology. And so uh, we didn't really grow wheat and barley until the 1800s. So in the 1700s, it was more uh, corn and rye, and that's what they made. And that's what that's how we make our bourbon today. Yeah. Now, I read on the website that the distillery, you're trying to keep it as, as environmentally friendly as possible. Yeah, we, um, I tell people it's not part of the business plan. It's just the way you are with a farmer because where we are, farmers are the original environmentalists because we're taking care of our land. We don't waste anything. And uh, we're kind of Scottish. We're pretty cheapskate. And so we, uh, you know, we, uh, we re uh, we've got solar panels. We have geothermal fields. We recycle 100% of our cooling water. So nothing right here, if, if we dumped our water, and it'd be thousands of gallons of water a year, it goes into a tributary that goes into a creek that goes into the St. Mary's River, which goes into the Potomac, which goes into the Chesapeake Bay. And, and we're all, all about preserving our heritage and the environmental uh, cleanliness of the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, I, I think I, I reiterate this all the time that when people talk about environment uh, things, really it has to be business does that. It has to be business because there's no one else capable of doing it. The governments can do programs, but ultimately it's businesses because that's who use it, that's who manufacture stuff. And all these small changes for business really do make a huge difference, you know, and, and it's always to be yeah, it's um, we do. I mean, the, the government helps. We uh, we work actually collaboration between the government and uh, a lot of the educational institutions here too. So uh, uh, we we do a lot of archaeology because um, you know bourbon, Kentucky put bourbon on the map, and they have done awesome stuff with with, with bourbon. Bourbon would not be today without Kentucky. And as I tell people, I do a lot of industry survey on Kentucky bourbon. Don't tell my wife because she calls it drinking. But uh, we, we, the Kentucky, <laughs> them, the world started in 1792 and it didn't. Uh, because before there was a state of Kentucky, it was part of Virginia. And we had settlers after the first Brexit. They, uh, we got ravaged. I mean, the, uh, the British army said they were very kind and polite while they were over here, but they really weren't. That's a good PR campaign they put out. And so this area was devastated. And so uh, people went west into the uh, far reaches of Virginia, which is present day Kentucky. And so that's where a lot of the bourbon names from today, Basil Hayden, Willett, Wathan, Wathan, they, they call it, and they took with them uh, their whiskey, they took with them tobacco culture and how to, how to grow tobacco, they took with them all the family names, and they, um, they, a lot of the family recipes. So there are recipes today that only exist in this part of Maryland and in Nelson County, Kentucky. That's and it's that's not by coincidence. No. I've done a lot of research. I have this book. It's so the Scott Irish. It's 
very because this is this is where uh, hang on, Justin's moving me about here. This is this tells the story of the they were they were the ones who took uh, whiskey across to the states that the sir and then. The Maryland yeah. and then went on down to uh, Maryland and Pennsylvania before going down to Kentucky and Tennessee, yeah. etc. Et so, I mean, that, that's all the way through where me and Justin live. I see Justin has put up there, he likes to remind people that where he lives in Carrick Fergus. Yeah, I don't know if you're um, over in uh, in England, and I don't know if you've heard of Cotswolds. Nice to remind people that John Paul is a correct Fergus Castle, which is beside where he lives. So he, he mm. must hold that against us. <laughs> <laughs> I think the internet's playing trouble with us tonight. It's been very jittery. There's apologies, Admiral, but there's not a lot we can do about that. Uh, but. Uh, Marty was saying uh, there about English Whiskey Society on a few weeks ago. And um, we, we have heard of Cotswolds Distillery. What were you going to say about Cotswolds Distillery, Admiral? Justin? What is going to say, Daniel Soar, he's uh, what a great guy. I went and visited him about three years ago because he's bringing whiskey distilling back to England, which, you know, it's been gone for a long time. And, uh, and that's kind of what we're doing. We're bringing bourbon distilling back to Maryland. It, it uh, it started. It's like who invented the car? A lot of people did. Well, they were just they were making whiskey bourbon here in the 1700s, uh, and we're just bringing it back here because it left for a long time. And we're we're just celebrating the local terroir, you know, our single farm bourbon and those type of things because it's a different flavor, a different taste than you get elsewhere. And uh, there's a lot of good ones out there, but and we're one of them. Yeah, we just we just as people like trying different whiskeys from all over the place, you know, this is this is just a, a good one to try to. American whiskey is booming. I mean, we talk about an Irish boom in in Irish distilleries, but in America now we you're talking 1500, 1600 whiskey producing distilleries across the whole of the states. And I mean, it's just exploded over there too. So how, how do you see the market going or how do you see it all developing? Well, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a boom in the, I'll say the small independent distillers like us. And I, I think it's close to 2000 now. I think there's close to 2000 small independent but when you get down to it, I don't know if it's 95, 96% of all American whiskey, which includes bourbon, is pretty much made basically at 16 distilleries owned by nine international corporations. It means all the large corporate guys, they have hundreds of brands because it's about shelf space. And, th and they see what's going on in, in the small independent world because the way we distill, we distill more like scotch you know, Irish whiskey is triple distilled. We double distilled and uh, and we take cuts. So we take, uh, you know, we take a Hertz cut. So what we put in the barrel is pretty damn good from the, you know, it doesn't take as long to mature it. And it's, uh, now you still need to mature it. I'm not saying that, but uh, it's a high quality distillate that goes in the barrel to begin with. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's hey, a familiar story. Now, it's not Northern Isle, but are you familiar with the, oops, sorry about that. Are you familiar ahead, with the ahead, Irish whiskey war after the Civil War over here in America in about the 1870s? Oh, yes, I'm very familiar with it. The Whiskey Rebellion, it was lots of, lots of Scots-Irish who decided that uh, when George Washington wanted to pay for his war, that uh, he would tax the people. Uh, he would tax the people who basically had 
won him the war. And lots of those were lots of those guys, the likes of the Battle of King's Mountain that happened before had been these Scots Irish. Uh, so they didn't particularly want to pay tax, you know. Yeah. Well, that was a um it was you're right, it was Alexander Hamilton who convinced George Washington to tax. And that was actually the first kind of thing between the large corporate guys and the independent. So because what they do is they would tax the small guys this in Western Pennsylvania at the same rate because they, they do it on a, on a 12 year basis or 12 month basis. So if you had a still in Western Pennsylvania, you got taxed as much as the large corporate guy in, in New York. Well, they only distilled in the winter. And so, but you got tax lots more. So that was part of the problem. The bigger problem was you had to pay in cash. You had to pay your tax. And nobody in the Western United States had any cash in 1790. Everything was barter. So it was very abusive. But the Irish whiskey war I've been yeah. talking about was in, it was after our school. So about 1870 up in Brooklyn. And so what happened is, again, the government needed to pay for a war and the easiest thing to tax is alcohol. And so up near what is today the Brooklyn Navy Yard in the 1870s, it lasts about five or six years, they had uh, they had US troops up there <laughs> going into people's houses because everybody had a small still someplace <laughs> trying to uh, trying to put it down. <laughs> Like, I must ask your I, business I partner. The history of whiskey absolutely fascinating. I must ask your business partner a question. What's it like working with an admiral? Does he still bark orders like he's <laughs> on the bridge of a ship? And do you have to jump to it? Oh dear God! Um, <laughs> be careful how I answer that because I still got to work with the admiral. <laughs> so in, uh, in in all honesty, I'm a marine. I'm, an I'm a sergeant. And, um, but uh, th this is such a wonderful partnership that we have here. It's fantastic. And uh, I met Scotty 20 years ago. Uh, and uh, right away, uh, if you haven't already picked up on it, he's got an infectious personality. And it's just somebody you want to hang around uh, <laughs> to see what's going to happen next. And there's been plenty of times where I just shake my head and go, what is he going to do next? And um, so far, it's this 700 mile an hour bourbon that uh, is, I got to admit, it's a little more out there than I'm, I'm comfortable with, but, uh, but we're going to do it anyway. But the, uh, the best thing about this is why we started this distillery. And, you know, you know Marty, you sent us a note uh, a week or two ago, and it's about a common love that people have, not necessarily just for alcohol. But I'm looking at the comments that you have over here on the side of the screen and everything. And it's about the sharing of an experience uh, that alcohol used in moderation and all that good sort of stuff can help foster. And that's why we started this distillery is because we have that common love of, uh, of the, all the good things it can bring. And I tell you what, it's been seven years, six years, seven years we've been doing this now. And I, I'm amazed every day it just, just like our bourbon, it just keeps getting better every day. Do, do, you, do you get to travel much to other distilleries in North America or is that, are you still in the stage of lockdown at the minute? Uh, I know I have, uh, I, my, my wife, God bless her, uh, is a, a professional um, drinker and uh, <laughs> we spend a lot of time going to uh, different wineries, distilleries, and breweries. And uh, there is a, and in giving the props to the mega distilleries, there are some that do a wonderful job of connecting uh, what, uh, you know, what the experience can be with the products that they deliver. Uh, and then there are some that are just so cold. You walk in, you take a ticket, you're one of, you know, 200 people that are going to go through that day. And you, you, you just left wanting, but uh, even some of the bigger folks, uh, you know, get it right. And it's about connecting people and stories together. And that's, um, it, it's not hard to do, 
but it takes a little bit of effort and not everybody's willing to do that effort. Hey, just I saw a comment. It wanted to know what we what we bottle at. We're at forty five percent, so it's ninety proof. That's a that's in the range for uh, for a good bourbon. We uh, we will have a uh, a bottled and bond expression coming up. So it's kind of an archaic term here in the United States. It's one of the first I'll call it food purity laws in the United States. It dates back to the eighteen nineties. Um, because in America, hey, the food could be a little wishy-washy, but we get pissed off about our whiskey. And so we, uh, what they did was they said for the, to make sure it wasn't adulterated, because people were putting a lot of nasty stuff in there in the 1800. So it had to be bottled at a single distillery in a single distilling season, and it had to be bottled at 100 proof and aged four years. So we're going to probably, we do that all right now, uh, but we bottle it at 90 proof. But because, uh, you know, just because we can make some bottled and bond, we're going to probably be doing that here in the near future. You, you also make a cinnamon whiskey, uh, the, the mold dyer. Could you tell me about that? Yeah, that's our, we had this, uh, local witch down here in the late 1600s. And um, so before there was Australia, Maryland got more convict labor from Britain than any place else. <laughs> so what would happen if you were a poor person in London, I don't wherever, and you got caught pinching a silver spoon from whoever you're working for, you had to go be an indentured servant down in, I don't know, in the Caribbean sometimes for five or seven years. And then after indenture, you could not go back to England. So they took you up to the port of Baltimore and just dumped you out there. <laughs> so, so our poor, poor Maldire, here's a single woman. She'd been to the Caribbean. She was a healer. So she knew some of the uh, natural healing methods. Uh, by that time, there was... Uh, that mall was Catholic. Um, by that time, there was, I'll call it an impolite ceremony that moved the capital of Maryland from St. Mary City Catholic to Annapolis Protestant. So you all know how that goes over there. So the uh, Mall Dyer left yes. Baltimore to We're come down to the where the Catholics were. And then... Uh, so here's a single woman, 1694, whatever it was. Cold winter, crops failed. Damn it, she's a witch. <laughs> so they uh, they no kid murdered her. <laughs> they burned her house down, and she froze in the middle of the night. And uh, this is the story. It's a great story. It probably never happened, but it's a great story. They said she pointed and she said. I curse you and your descendants in perpetuity. <laughs> so, so Ma was not a witch. We're just trying to rehabilitate her reputation after 300 years. So what we do, we take our bourbon mash. We put it in a used barrel. So at that point, it's whiskey. And then we put in two varietals of cinnamon bark. Not chemicals, not flavorings. It's all it's cassia and Sri Lankan cinnamon. And we age it about 10 or 12 months. And it's a really nice all-natural cinnamon whiskey. Excellent. Fantastic Thank stuff. Marty, do you have any more questions for the Admiral and the team at the Tobacco Bar Distillery there? I don't, I, I, I think what you're doing is fantastic. I read, when I read about the 700 miles an hour whiskey, I couldn't not send a message. Uh, when can we expect to watch this? When when are we going to get it live streamed? When's the paperwork? Because I'm sure there's lots and lots of paperwork to this. Uh, when when are we going to get to see it? So right now, uh, we're planning on April of 2021. As I tell people, I'm not in charge of COVID. So if uh, April 2021 looks like the flight date, and if you would like to, we would love to live stream it to you. So. We'll figure out, we'll get offline and we'll figure out, I, I think it would be awesome to live stream a Sea Harrier back 
to back there, and it would just be cool. This is the second Sea Harrier ever built, so it's a, it'll be an awesome, awesome event. Uh, you, you maybe know this, Admiral, because oh, I know yeah. you, you were an aviator. Because, but the the actual groundwork for the a lot of the Sea Harrier stuff was done on a thing called the Flying Bedstead at Shorts, which is about yep. ten miles away from my house. And we used to oh. we used to be able to hear that the, the Tucano uh, sort of trainer planes engines being revved up and tested and test beds and all that sort of thing. And lo lots of people around here still work in Shorts. I, I have a mate; he's the stress manager in Shorts. Uh, but uh, we were always pleased that the, the Harrier is still in use with the uh, American fleet. Uh, we've done away with it here with the, with the new uh, sort of semi-vertical takeoff and landing jet. But uh, did you fly the Harrier yourself? Did you? No, no, no. That's It was a Marine Corps. I was in the Navy. I flew, uh, it was called the E2C Hawkeye. So it's kind of like an AWACS. It's got a big dome. It lands on a carrier. Yep, knew that uh, one. Fast, nothing sexy. But it, everybody wanted because I told everybody where that tanker was. They were very. That was an important <laughs> communications note. I will tell you, we know how 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 loud the Harrier is because our farm is about four miles away from where Art Nall's Harrier is, and that a hole comes flying over our farm all the time. I know how loud that is. Oh my. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Admiral. Uh, Scott Sanders there, uh, retired, and the team at the Tobacco Bar and Distillery. Uh, we're going to leave it there tonight. Uh, catch you again in April when when you fly this, this thing. Uh, I've just put up on the screen, it's not an April Fool. Uh, Julie Masons has just said, excellent, would love to see that. She'd love to see that. We will, we will live stream it at the time or put a link up afterwards if we can't do that. Absolutely. Trevor Watson wants to see it as well. And a lot of really positive comments coming in there, even from north of the border, uh, from 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 the, the Patriots. Are they, are they the Patriots? Uh, the, the, uh, the the Canadians north of the border, Jody Burks and Prince Edward Island. He said, <laughs> great, great to hear the US side of things. There you go. <laughs> but listen, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, talk to you again soon. Good hey, you guys are great. Thank you very much for having us. All right. Cheers. 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 Hey, real quick. Guys, how do you, you say? Much. It's been a pleasure. Stay safe. What, take care. How do you Thanks. how do you say cheers in Irish? Slauncha. Is that what Slauncha. you want? Yep. Good night to you. Good night. Take care. Now, Marty, your internet is uh, is clockwork tonight. Mine is crystal clear. Look at I'm in I'm in sixty hertz and can move my hands and you can see my fingers. But you, you're, you've gone a bit clockworky on us. I don't know what. Already. I, I don't know what it is. We're three it, ways it there. Started off all right. It started off all right. A wee bit of a delay there. So apologize to the Admiral. So I suppose he was, he was used to it because it's a bit like in Star Trek where it comes through and spits and spits <laughs> and spurts, you know. So uh, there you go. Uh, Jody Burke, like mentioned there, awesome. He's from Canada there, and uh, Trevor Watson said, "What a great guest! Yes, one of our best guests so far. I, I, I can, and I can certainly." Totally, guys. When, when I heard when I heard about the story, I thought I have to speak to this man because it's just such a cool story. It's just fantastic. Yes, it was very good. What did you make of the the cocktails last night when you tried them too? I actually was very very impressed with them actually. Well, I remember you saying that you would quite happily pay, was it £20 for one of them in uh, Burt's Jazz Bar in Belfast? Yeah, I, I would certainly pay 20, 25 quid for them. They were very, very good. Uh, Michael Matthews is saying, interesting guests will look uh, forward to following up and seeing the flight. Yes, that will be a sight to be, behold. I mean, it. Uh, Absolutely. You know he's go, he's going to lose stuff. He's doing it. He's doing it for charity. But do you reckon that would alter the the whiskey itself, the the, the heating it at, at the temperature? Well, the thing is, Justin, once it gets up there, it's going to expand. Um, it's going, as the admiral says, it's going to expand into the wood. Um, will that be up there long enough to make any difference? Will it expand enough to actually burst the, the cask? Make off both casks. You never know. Um, but 
I mean, it's the, it's the whenever you say stuff that's totally outlandish, you know, whenever you're talking about oh, something that's totally outlandish, and people will turn around and say, nah, you know, it's, it's, that's not true. You quantify it by saying it's in America. The fact that he thought to himself, hmm, I own a distillery or I run a distillery. My friends get a sea harrier. How's it about we get whiskey going supersonic? <laughs> that actually has the means to do it, the idea to do it. it. Just, I love the story. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it is. Some of these guys that are keeping the whiskey dream alive, you know, they're very deep pockets, don't they? Well, let's be honest, that to, to, to do any sort of flight is not going to be cheap, but you'd imagine if it was for charity and stuff, it's, there's obviously going to be... I know, but you, uh, you know, he certainly put a lot of money into it. I mean, at last last week, the, uh, the guy, Matt Darcy, was putting millions into it. Millions into it, you know? I don't know. I mean, it, everything about whiskey costs money. It's it's an expensive thing, uh, but it's also fun. That's the point. That the the, the story behind everything. Uh, he's bringing a distillery back to Maryland, which probably the first place that whiskey was ever distilled in the U.S. He's doing it in a an exciting and fun and comic way. Uh, it's all of that. It's just, it's not dissimilar to Michael last week who turned around and said, this is the history in Newry and I'm bringing that history back and I'm rediscovering stuff and I want people to know about that and, and, to, and to experience that and he's willing to put all his time and money and effort in. And that's the difference between whiskey and, and vodka or even gin, to be fair. Uh, gin doesn't have that cachet. It just doesn't have it. There's no other drink with possibly, possibly the exception of rum that has that story that, you know, no, no one would take vodka up and, and fly it about, you know, it's just not going to happen. But people do it with whiskey because it's got a different cache and that's the difference in, in, in what whiskey is. So that's about it for this week. The old price is saying evening. Remember, if you've only just joined the show, you can watch it on repeat. The best place is youtube.com slash Irish Whiskey Review. Marty. We have one little thing before we go. We were getting winners uh, sent out, uh, miniatures of River Rock. Our friends we had, uh, Michael, on a few weeks ago from... Uh, River Rock single malt in Scotland, the ones with the, the, the new bottle, uh, environmentally friendly guys. They were sending out miniatures to people who won the competition. There was a hiccup in the postage. I know there's lots of people who have stories about the post at the moment. It seems to be all over the place, including the US. Some people have already got them. So the River Rock, haven't they? Got, some people have already got them. Apparently, most of them are in transit. There was a bit of a problem with sending a couple of them to down to, down to the Republic, whatever. So, hopefully, and we cross fingers, Justin, we cross fingers, it'll be there for next Saturday and we'll do a tasting next Saturday. Okay. There you go. There's Frank Hearn saying, got a wee delivery from River Rock today. Thanks, guys. These shows are just getting better. Well, I don't know how we're going to top that. We, we need to get Alan Musk hey, and hey. I need to take... I need to take this Black Bush miniature in to the International Space Station in the seat of that SpaceX. That's what we need to do. <laughs> if we all uh, club together, can we get me 15 million quid for the trip? I, I would think, put it like this, I would say if we tell people that we're going to blast you off to the moon, I would say we'll get it no problem. There's lots of people that want you to go that way. All right, Marty. Uh, talk to you soon. There's uh, Nick Soar saying, ha ha. Yeah. Here, Nick Soar, is your real name soaring? <laughs> soaring into the sky? <laughs> that's, that's like the guy that used to give the grant out from the, the, the uh, education board was Miss A. Grant. Uh, there you go. A, a keg of ding, dingle in a DeLorean. That's what I need. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Listen, everybody. Good that's, night. Thanks for watching. Uh, that That's the R up. Uh, 
Jordy Burke saying, wish you could ship to Canada. Yeah, I'll take the bottle to Canada. I'll go up the airport, put my face mask on, sit in the plane for 12 hours to Prince Edward Island and give you that miniature. No problem, Jordy. You just pay me the $500. There you go. Good night, Marty. Good night. Jordy, you come over to us.